Hey, it's Andrew. Just quickly before we start this episode, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the Secure Ventures Podcast. The host, Kyle McNulty, interviews cybersecurity founders about what they are building. I enjoy it because Kyle focuses on their technology, what it solves, why they build it, where it fits in the market. Also, listeners can understand the why of these startups. In some ways, it's a great compliment to my own podcast, where I focus on the go-to-market side, not on the technology side. He's had some great guests on recently, for example, the CEO of Reality Defender, when they talked about the ins and outs of deep fate detection. Uh, he's had the co-founder and CEO of Ghost Security, and also the co-founder of Radical, Chris Peterson, who was incidentally a founder of Logarithm, where they talk about the role of AI in the SOC. This is not a paid promotion. I just simply enjoy what Kyle is doing with his interviews and get a lot out of them. Check it out. It's the Secure Ventures podcast. Now on with this episode. Welcome to the Sales Bluebird podcast. If you're a seller or sales leader at a B2B startup, especially if it's a cybersecurity company, you're in the right place today. I am your host, Andrew Monahan, and welcome to episode 99 of the podcast. It is a beautiful blue sky day here in Colorado, cold as anything. When I woke up this morning, it was minus two Fahrenheit, and it's warmed up to uh, almost tropical 25 degrees right now outside. Uh, so I'm glad I'm inside and, and not outside. Uh, before we get going on the uh, topic for today, uh, uh, I'd ask for the listeners, if you have any questions that you want answered on the podcast or you've got some ideas of topics to cover, things you've been thinking about, just please email me at andrew at unstoppable.do. So that's andrew at unstoppable.do. Just remember the do at the end. Uh, or you can send me a voice recording or a video at the link in the show notes. Um, if you're not looking at the show notes, you can go to zipmessage.com. So zip, uh, z or zip message.com slash unstoppable. Uh, and that allows us to have a asynchronous video or audio conversation where you can ask questions. And I want to take some of the best questions, the best suggestions and start covering those things on the show going forward. But today's episode is all about the six reasons why executives buy from startups. You know, as sellers at startups, we know we are not the easy option for our prospects. They don't know who we are often. The company name is new. Uh, it's not something they recognize in the cybersecurity space where there's literally thousands of companies all vying for attention. You know, in a prospect's mind, one name from the next just flies by and they don't remember one from the other. So when we try to think about how we resonate, how we get going, we're just one of the many that they come across, right? So they don't know who we are. We get to build trust, right? They, there's no track record there delivering that they got to fall back on. Um, our product is probably very early, right? So this is not a product that's been around for 10 years usually and is baked and it's got a bunch of customers. That means that a couple of things. One is it's probably not all that feature rich. It doesn't do very much, right? Uh, the, the list of things that we want to do is probably pretty long, but the things that we can deliver on right now and actually allow our customers to use in their enterprise or even mid-market IT infrastructures, list of features that we feel comfortable with is probably pretty low, 
right? So when someone's thinking about working with us, there's only a small subset of problems or situations or use cases that we can address. And finally, because it is so young and so early, stability is often a problem as well. It's, it's, uh, we're going to install it in environments that are a lot bigger usually than we've tested in. And therefore we need to make sure, or the prospect needs to make sure that what they have is actually going to work for them. So there's all these reasons why it's, it's not that easy for them to want to work with us. In any situation, there's going to be 55 reasons why the prospect shouldn't buy from the software vendor. Uh, there just have to be more of them <laughs> in the startup environment than there are if the company has been around for a while. So when that happens, your competitors might actually look pretty good, right? Even if they're only partial solutions or not all that elegant or they sort of, kind of sort of work but not that great, that be, for many, that might become a much more viable solution than our one, which is new in the market, uh, relatively untested and with the problems that we talked about. But people do, right? Executives in the IT organizations do work with startups, not all of them, and, and by by far, not the majority, but there are people that do. I remember I was working with a large financial company, and the CISO at that large financial company used to set aside budget every year in the low millions of dollars to enable him to buy software from early-stage startups. And his view was that's where the innovation was. He wanted to encourage uh, those startups, he wanted to give them a chance to test out their, their software in his bigger environment. It's part of what he did. So he had the appetite for doing it. There's another CISO at um, uh, kind of health insurance company, and he became well known as someone who would buy and try early stage software. In fact, I went to one sales call with a different company. And when they asked the question, you know, who are your existing customers, before we could even answer the question, they said, oh, and don't say, you know, this person because he just buys everything, right? Uh, so that, that one says so had a reputation as working with early stage companies, um, not spending a ton of money with each one, but enough that he could try out their stuff and see what value it would have and give them feedback and, and things like that. So here's two examples where you've got CISOs who almost go out their way to want to work with cybersecurity companies that are early stage. So for the ones that do buy from early stage companies, what are the reasons that they do that? What is it that causes them to say, you know, this might not be natural, but let's go and work with this company. And I've got six reasons for us, uh, in my experience, about why this happens. The first one is they have a pressing problem and they can't find a good or, or great solution for it from the existing vendor base they're used to working with, right? If they have their big partners they spend a lot of money with, they have a lot of products, but they've got something that's going on that they can't solve, then they naturally have to go and look elsewhere, right? And if it's a new challenge to do shifts in the market or things like that, then they're looking for the innovation that's going to tackle that problem. And that innovation is going to come from the smaller players as opposed to the bigger players. So they've got a pressing problem that they want to solve, but they just can't find an elegant solution at their companies they're used to dealing with. Secondly, the CISO themselves or the executive has an appetite for the risk of working with an early stage company. They don't get freaked out if things aren't working perfectly, right? They don't get freaked out if there's aspects of the product that don't work yet or even haven't been released yet. Right. 
they just know that's going to happen. Uh, they know there's going to be bumps in the road and they're not feeling in any way let down or internally to their organization, they don't feel threatened or they don't feel like people are looking at them going, what the heck are you doing? Right. So they have an appetite to work with early stage companies. Three is, and I've seen this, they want to work with the startup community, right? They want to be involved in that community. Um, it might just be the, the good feeling they get from supporting innovation, but it, often what it means is they're looking for advisory board positions. They're looking to get linked into the, the VC community or the, the private equity community. They're looking for uh, the chances sometimes to invest in startups, right? Either directly as an angel or through the LPs of the, as an LP of the, the VC funds themselves. So it's a community they want to be part of, and they view working with some vendors as part of that effort that they have to be part of that community. Thirdly, they like the idea they're going to have much more control over the features and functionality of the product that you're building than if they were working with a much bigger company. Right. If they're one of the first five or ten design partners or early adopters or they're coming in pretty early, they know that the vendor will want to get their feedback, will want to sit them down and say, this is what we're thinking. Which direction should we go in? Should we do this first or, or that first? Which cloud provider should we support first? Right. Which type of identity should we support first? Do, should we prioritize this feature set versus that feature set? The vendor's looking for that, that input. The startup's looking for that input. And they themselves as buyers know they get to shape the product. And that helps them because they know that there's going to be more suitable and more adapted for their environment than if they just went with a bigger company. Fifthly is responsiveness. You know, and I recently had Mike Baker on the podcast and Mike is the CRO at No Name Security. And one of the things that Mike was talking about that he was so impressed with, with the engineering team at No Name was their ability to deliver things so rapidly. And he gave the example, you know, they had something recently where the engineering team delivered it in two sprints, right? And if it was a much bigger company, you know what? That would probably take two years, right? It'll have to go through an evaluation process and does it get on the roadmap? Does it not? Are the other customers want it? Uh, then they have to go through the planning process and then they scope it out and then they have to actually build it. It just takes so long to do that, right? Whereas if you're working with a early stage startup with a smaller number of customers, the decisions that they make, they're able to be much more agile in terms of what the product actually does. And the reason this is so especially important in our world in cybersecurity is the attackers and the adversaries don't wait two years, right? Their ability to adapt and change and uh, and come at us in different ways is done in days and weeks as well, not in two-year cycles. So you're thinking about the suitability sometimes of an early-stage cybersecurity company. It actually fits better than some of the big players because of their ability to be nimble and respond to things that are going on in the marketplace. So CISO's executives like the fact that they got a much more responsive partner with an early stage startup than they do with the bigger players in the industry. And then finally, and and frankly, it's often the last thing, is they know they're going to get a great deal, right? Uh, it's very hard for an early stage company to really command high value add pricing. Right. It's, it's harder for them to do that because the, you know, they are just trying to get the ball rolling. They are trying to get those customers the first 10, 20, 50 in play. And they're willing to 
and sometimes you know get very creative to to make sure that they get these customers on board. It's much more important often for an early stage startup to have customers as opposed to maximizing deal value, right? It's better to have 50 customers all paying us some money rather than five or 10 customers paying us, you know, bigger amounts of money, right? You want to learn more and develop the product faster and get the, the, the flywheel going with more customers as opposed to higher deals. Now, don't get me wrong, right? We want to get maximize our deals as much as possible, but generally speaking, you know, customers has a higher value than, than deal size. And if you're a prospect, if you're a CISO or an executive, you know that and you appreciate that, right? They're going to, you're going to construct a, an offering for you where you're coming in at a lower price because the, the value is not there yet. The feature set is not built out yet. And then you get to ride the wave with that, that startup as they grow over time, knowing that your pricing might go up along the way, but you know, you're not starting off at, uh, at the really high value than if you came in as, as a customer 100 or, or 200. So they know that they're going to get a good deal. So those are the six reasons, right? First of all, it's, it's a pressing problem that can't easily be solved with the current vendor set. Secondly, they have themselves an appetite for risk of starting with and working with these startups. Thirdly, they want to be involved in the startup community itself, and this is one way to do that. Fourthly, they're going to have much more control or say over the functionality and the feature set of the solution because the, the startup has fewer customers. Fifthly, they're just much more responsive than the bigger players in the industry. And finally, there's there's the deal to be had, right? They know they're going to get in early uh, on this technology and uh, won't be paying quite as much as if their customer 100 or 200. So these are the reasons. And, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different, uh, but we should be thinking about this in two ways. One is, is our offering right now in alignment with the things that these early stage CISOs, early stage uh, sorry, buyers of early stage uh, technology, what they're looking for. Have we thought through exactly how we not just offer the product, but also offer the engagement they're looking for? Uh, if they're looking for introductions into the VC community, can we have that as part of what we do? Um, do we have our pricing in such a way that we're getting, you know, some, some money, but we're, we're not set up asking for, for way more than perhaps we should be doing. So is our go to market to these early adopters and these design partners set up in such a way that it fits in with what they're looking for? And secondly, and this is an important one is when we look at the deals that we have in our pipeline, are they with people and companies that fit with the first three in this list? Right. They, they, they've got a pressing problem, but they can't find it anywhere else. Secondly, they've got an appetite for risk. Right. That's an important one. Do they have the ability themselves to do business with early stage companies? And does the company that they work for have the appetite to do that? Some don't. Right. Some companies just won't. Right. It's just not their thing. They'd much rather deal with a brand name in the industry that's got 500 customers and established all the rest of it, right? Um, and some individuals, for whatever reason, just don't have that appetite for risk, right? They, they, I don't need that in my career right now. I don't want to be uh, putting so much risk. I don't have all these eyeballs on me internally working with this early stage technology. 
And then thirdly, when we're thinking about the people we're working with, you know, do they actually want to be involved in the community, right? Is there something about them that says, yeah, this is an area they want to play? If we don't have at least two of those three things, uh, then we've got to be careful that we're working with someone that at the end of the day will probably not buy our stuff, even if it wins the, the technical arguments and, and gets the validation from the architects and, and all the rest of it internally. So that's how to use this list to validate our go-to-market with these these early-stage buyers? And then secondly, are they people themselves that we should be doing or able to do business with us? So that was the topic for today. It was the six reasons why executives are able to buy from startups. Finally, what I would ask, if you enjoyed this episode, please like it, subscribe to the feed in your podcast player and review it in your podcast player as well. Please also go to salesbluebird.com where you can sign up for the email newsletter. It comes out once a week. It's got other things in it than than the, the podcast content. So if you're looking for good, actionable tips and ideas about selling at early stage startups, that's your place to go. Uh, don't forget to send in your questions. And then if you do want to chat about your, your startups, uh, go to market, especially if it's in the cybersecurity space, please reach out to me. If you're thinking about sales strategy, if you're thinking about how the team's performing and ways to improve your execution or your overall go to market strategy, please hit me up at andrew at unstoppable.do. That's andrew at unstoppable.do. See you next time. It would mean a lot to me and to the continued growth of the show if you'd help get the word out. So how do you do that easily? There are two ways. Firstly, just simply send a link to a friend. Send a link to the show, to this episode. Um, You can email it, text it, Slack it, whatever works for you and is easy for you. The second way is to leave a super quick rating. And sometimes that can seem complicated, so I've made it as easy for you as I can. You simply have to go to ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. That's ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. And explains exactly how to do it. Either of these ways will take you less than 30 seconds to do, and it will mean the world to me. So thank you.